And I think sometimes parables make truth more palatable than they would be if you just came with the principle itself. Uh, sometimes people are more resistant to it than if it is wrapped around a story through which they can get the moral and the relevance of the story they're from. Anything beyond the, the, the four walls of a sanctuary, you're going to bump into business. If you're going to be on the radio, you're going to bump into a need to have a business acumen. If you're going to be on television, if you're going to be streaming, if you're going to do the internet, if you're going to, you're going to have to understand algorithms and, and, and things like that. I'm Steve Green on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm so excited. It, it's almost as though I can't say the name of this guest. It's just some things just don't. You can't believe you're about to say it. I pinched myself a couple of times already. I'm real excited to introduce and to welcome to our show, Pastor, my brother, and more well-known as Bishop, T.D. Jakes. Sir, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Steve. It's a real pleasure to be with you. Well, I'm honored. I, I feel like I know you, and I think probably anyone in your congregation feels like they know you because of who you are and how transparent you are, and what a great preacher you are. And now I know you as a good writer. I've read a couple of your books now, about three of them. Uh, I'm, I can't wait for the next thing you write. You're an encourager. You're a strong writer. I feel your books. How about that? You're a storyteller. Yeah, I am very much a storyteller. I, I really like bringing truths to light through, through stories and through drama. Jesus taught a lot through parables, and I yes. think sometimes parables make truth more palatable than they would be if you just came with the principle itself. Uh, sometimes people are more resistant to it than if it is wrapped around a story through which they can get the moral and the relevance of the story they're from. Well, you prove that by becoming a New York Times best-selling author, and that doesn't happen to every Christian who writes a book. And you didn't do it because you're a pastor. You did it because your book is strong, and uh, right. it's, it's full of content. You know, uh, there's an audience, and there's a market beyond the borders and the framework of the church that's searching for answers. Mm. And I think that when Jesus said, go into all the world, we we have to go into all the world systems. I've, I've really been amazed that uh, sometimes people read your book, but they won't even know who I am, but they'll read it because it is on the New York Times. pick it up so in airports. <laughs> and I, I kind of sneak in yeah, and sneak. with the rest of the guys and thereby get a chance mm. to expose Bishop, them. I don't think you sneak in anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I think you arrive about 10 minutes before you get there if they know your name. <laughs> so this is a good book. that I've noticed it's been on sale, and uh, as I fly, I see it in airports. It's the kind of book that will do well off the rack because it, yeah. the cover's good. It has done well. Yeah. It's just, it'll, it'll start the strong. whole notion of the book soar is, is I, I was so awed by the Wright brothers and um, the the audacity to dream yeah, themselves into the air. Yes. How big was that, Bishop? You you know, it. how big was it? Yeah, how big was that dream, huh? Yeah, oh, that's exactly. I mean, big mammoth, uh, unheard of. Yeah. Anytime you dream something th- th- through which you don't have a point of reference, it's not like anybody else. It becomes very difficult to 
achieve and even to discuss. Can yes. you imagine walking up to yes. somebody in their era and say, you know, I think we should build this flying machine and go flying through the air and, mm-hmm. and, and, and these warp speeds and do all of this amazing stuff. I mean, people would have laughed you to death, especially since your only point of reference was making bicycles. Well, and, and exactly. And then we look at a guy like uh, former President Kennedy. And when right. he said we're going to the moon, you know, we couldn't get that in our heads. You know? Right, right. What's the modern day equivalent? Who's who's a big dreamer today, Bishop? I, th- I, th- I'm, I think we're waiting on them to come out of the shadows. I think technology has has taken us into an area where people have become preoccupied with creating new apps and mm-hmm. and uh, e-commerce and that sort of thing. We're preoccupied yeah. with delivery services now that are generated through e-commerce and we're trying to rethink how we interact with uh in the marketplace as well as in ministry to accommodate uh the changing mediums of communication that we have today but something is going to come along uh and and we may be flying around in the air in cars or something like that who knows it'll be something transportation related probably that gets our attention anyway yes Bishop. Yeah, those those occasional things. I think we're all creative. We were created by a creator and thereby created to be creative. Yes. Uh, but the reality is every now and then in the midst of that creativity, there is something that creates a paradigm shift to which maybe the next 10 or 15 years are altered because of that, whether it is the Internet or whether it is uh, the mm-hmm. telephone or whether it is radio. And, and I think we're right now are are adjusting to the shift from technology and exploring the shift from medicine to ministry to yes. every walk of life has been altered because uh, of technology, but there's going to come something after that. And I think you're right. I think it will be in the area of, of transportation mm-hmm. because we have more and more need to move more and more rapidly from here to there, or we think we do. Probably what we really need to do is sit down up under a tree like our parents did, and really recapture who we are as a human being. Bishop Jakes, before we get too deep into this interview, I don't want to miss the fact that you've got a conference coming up in Dallas, Woman Thou Art Loosed, and I don't want people to come in and leave this podcast without hearing you speak about it. Tell me what you're up to with Woman Thou Art You know, something that's very interesting. We've done the huge stadiums. I started out, people who who know me uh, know that it started out with 46 women in a Sunday school class years ago. And Woman Dyer Loose over the years has morphed and ended up with 86,000 women in the Georgia Dome. Yeah. Uh, so we've, we've seen the big crowds. This year I'm bringing it back to my church. It'll be a smaller number, uh, aptly about 10,000 women coming together uh, within the confines of the Potter's House campus. And we're, we're really calling it a master class because within the context of the Woman Are Loose, not only are we going to have church and ministry, we're also going to be training uh, women, both in ministry and marketplace operations. And I'm sure you realize, Dr. Green, that there's a, a big gulf uh, in, in economically uh, and, and sometimes even spiritually uh, in our communities that we're trying to close uh, by showing women the best of other women of faith who have shattered glass ceilings and broken barriers and become successful CEOs and corporate leaders are going to be talking about how they did what they did, whether it was in film or in business. And then we're going to have the traditional 
fellowship services that that we have been noted for down through the years. So we're going to have them both. There'll be people there from all over the world. We'll be translating through headsets into different languages. Mm, so all good. colors, cultures, kinds of people are welcome to come. It is an interdenominational opportunity uh, to just sit and, and share and network and experience the love of Jesus Christ and the direction of the Holy Spirit as we move uh, further into this millennial age. So with 10,000 seats versus 86,000, somebody better get on this right now if they <laughs> want to get in. How can they connect with, uh, where do they sign up? How can we do it right now to those who are listening? They can go almost anywhere to tdjakes.org. is the simplest place to send them uh, to get more information. They can call 1-800-BISHOP-2 if they so choose okay. and uh, get information, 1-800-BISHOP, and then the number 2. Uh, to get registration, there's easy access. You can even text uh, to register for the conference. They'll find out that when they get to tdjakes.org. There's lots of ways for them to uh, come on board and be connected to us. So to keep it simple, right now, tdjakes.org is the way to get into this conference. Yes. Okay, great. And it's October 18th through 20th there in Dallas at the Potter's House, right? That's exactly right. That's outstanding. And I hope it. I hope no one misses that opportunity to get in there. Well, I'm hoping the time will come that we'll we'll be able to get you up to come speak for us. I'll be there, sir. I, uh, <laughs> That'd I'll see. Be great. Would it be tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. You had, your reputation precedes you. Well, you're you're a good man. Thank you for saying that. Well, I want to get into your book a little deeper because I'm an entre- entrepreneur. I'm, I like to think of myself as a marketplace pastor, and and I know you're a pastor who who also works in a marketplace. But absolutely, you have wisdom. And I want to hear some of that because our listeners are leaders and, and shakers. There, there's some great people that listen to this podcast. So w- would you address that question right there, how faith and business intersect? that play, You've said so much about that. Talk to us. You know, I think it is critical that we understand the relevance of faith as, as we go out to do business. Uh, most entrepreneurs know that, that going out there to start a business or uh, to build a company is a faith walk. We don't always do it because we see the way clear or we understand what is going to be around the next turn or the next dimension. So it certainly requires a lot of faith in order to go into business and be effective. And then people of faith need better business principles. I can't tell you how many people who really love Jesus and really love the Lord have not been able to maximize their ministry simply because they did not operate a good business principles and ethics that are necessary in order to perpetuate the ministry to the level that it ought to be. Yes. Pastor, Bishop, you know that there are, seminaries don't do a good job of preparing young men and women to be in business as a leader of their church. They do not. They really don't. I think they're preoccupied with the historical context of mm-hmm. of theology and, and, and doctrine and, and yep. diverse thoughts and exposing them to all of that. And then when you get boots on the ground and you have to go to the bank or you have to negotiate mm-hmm. for property or you have to close a loan or you're sitting up with lawyers and attorneys and the IRS is doing an audit, <laughs> <laughs> you're sitting here about Hello. ready to pull your lip over top of your head. Yes. Be- because the seminary has not necessarily equipped you for the brass tacks of of leading. And then the other dimension is, if you are going to lead people in your congregation who are also leaders, in order to be relevant, it's 
certainly helpful that you have some aspect and understanding of the language. When you consider uh, that Paul, when he uh, ministers to Aquila and Priscilla, he is able to cross that bridge not only because of his faith, but they were also in similar businesses. Yes. Well, that ability to speak bilingually in, as it relates mm, to interacting with people good. is a critical dimension. Whether you're talking about Moses or whether you're talking about the Apostle Paul, some of the men that God used the most mightily, he was able to use them because they were uh, bilingual in their approach. They were multicultural in their understanding. They were not uh, myopic in their understanding of who God was, me and my four and no more, but they were able to be inclusive and they were able to be able to present their truths in languages that were relevant to uh, the secular as well as the sacred. Well, you know, the Bible is filled, particularly with, with Jesus' teachings, with agronomy, uh, the economy of agronomy, and he spoke to it because people understood that. Absolutely. And and I th- Go ahead, sir. No, 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 I want you to go. go. Uh, no, well, I, I was just going to interject. I, I have always been fascinated my style of leadership is is I lead through team building. Good for you. So I'm I'm a strong believer in building a team to reach a dream. And so if you give me a task, I'm going to give you a team. Because if I get a team around the task, we're able to get far more done. And in a similar fashion, before Jesus did much of anything, he built his team. Yes. And I think it's very interesting that when he started building his team, he didn't pick 12 rabbis. <laughs> he, he picked people from business worlds. He, he picked fishermen. He picked uh, uh, tax collectors. He mm. picked men of various types of influence and put them around him. Because when you surround yourself with people who do what you do, they compete with you. When you surround yourself with people who don't do what you do, they complete you. And you want to be completed and not to be in steady competition with the people with whom you are surrounded. So when you start talking about building teams, building teams are critical to being successful at whatever it is you set out to accomplish. That's a good word. I'm writing as fast as I can to keep up with you, Bishop. That's some good stuff. I want to share with you a little experience I had. I'll do it quickly. But I ministered in Zimbabwe because I had a student at ORU who invited me, and I saw some things there that really reminded me, or I think was foreshadowing this discussion on entrepreneurship, because churches in Africa must be entrepreneurs. They've got to figure out, because they can't do it with tithes and offerings. Right. That I I was sitting in a 25,000 square foot church in the middle of one of the poorest, the most difficult nations in the world. And they did it through business donations and businessmen coming in and coming up and standing shoulder to shoulder with leadership and making it happen. Do you think that we're in that day or it's, it's coming where pastors have got to understand how to work with business leaders to do the work of the church, to move forward financially? I think it's critical. I, I, I don't, I, frankly, I don't see how you can do much without it. Anything beyond the the, the four walls of a sanctuary, you're going to bump into business. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be on the radio, you're going to bump into a need to have a business acumen. If you're going to be on television, if you're going to be streaming, if you're going to do the internet, if you're going to you're going to have to understand algorithms and 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 things like that. Before long, you run into something that requires that you know something beyond Genesis to the Book of Revelations. Mm-hmm. I think it's very critical that partnerships begin to 
actually merge between business people and faith leaders in order to project and to propel not only the vision of Christ in the ministry, but as a leader uh, in the corporate world, I think having somebody who you can trust to talk yes. to is invaluable. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm on the other side. I've been that business guy in church and feel like the pastor only sees me as someone who's going to bless his offering plate. And <laughs> people like you know how to reach people without asking too much and doing yeah, the big and, ask you know, too much. One of the things uh, I, I said a few weeks ago, I said it's hard to live in a world where people don't see you as a person. They see you as an opportunity. Oh, my. That's and, so well said. Uh, and, and you really have to adjust. I, as I begin to work out in Hollywood and I begin to work with Michael Linton, the president of Sony, and we begin to talk about different things with various actors and writers. I've had the, the wonderful opportunity to work with a myriad of people that uh, others wouldn't have gotten to, to, wouldn't have even gotten that close to. In fact, I worked with Denzel, and mm-hmm. I've interviewed him and had an opportunity to, to do that. People are hurting often because they are handled in an opportunistic way. And that turns him away from faith, and it mm-hmm. turns him away from church yes. in a way that we have to be sensitive enough that if God would entrust you with the favor of somebody who is a person of influence or uh, is a person of uh, some stature in the community, uh, this is where this is another place where this scripture comes to life. To him whom much is given, much is required. Amen. You have to be responsible enough to be entrusted with that person without abusing or manipulating that person only for your own personal gain. And I think it is a trust between the marketplace and ministry that while we do need each other, we have to be careful not to abuse each other. That's true. I think one of the things that people feel about you, the way you make people feel is so important, it's so much a part of the story, is that you don't come into a relationship with Denzel with your hand in his right pocket. You know, Absolutely. You don't give that feeling. You don't come across as someone who's in financial need. You, you're you there to serve. You're there to look for opportunities to bless both sides of the table. You know, you, you, you struck a, a very important nerve. And the the reality is if, if we don't allow our ministers to reach a certain level of status, they will never be in the room with people like Denzel. They'll never be in the room with presidents and kings and princes because yes. – the the old way of thinking is that the the pastor had to be, you know, humble and holding his shoes and his head hung down and look real sad and <laughs> stay over the, the corner, you know. But but Jesus said, go into all the world, all yes. of it, all of it, the high and the low. Paul said he knew how to abase and abound. You have to be versatile enough in order to do uh, both things and be effective. And I think as a younger pastor, when I came to Dallas, but pastoring the Dallas Cowboys and and working with uh, many of uh, Emmett Smith and Michael Irving and Deion Sanders at the time uh, gave me exposure to different worlds mm-hmm. and different challenges. That was a that, handful right there. Oh, my God. And I was to, to boot. To I boot. was 38 years old at the time. So, you knew you a thing know, or two at that age, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I was fairly young in a new city, in a new building oh with my. a bunch of athletes that I was trying to pastor who were showing me things and problems and issues that I had never seen <laughs> on that scale before. Right. 
and uh, managing family to press to everything else that came along with being associated with them mm-hmm. was a fast education, I can assure yes. you. Yes, and obviously you did well because they still love you. Yeah, you still have that relationship. Yeah, so, and I love them. It's, I know you we, do. We, we built it on a premise of, of honesty and uh, family and uh, creating a place where people can talk and be themselves it's not just about pulpiteering. It's not just about great preaching. It's it's about being a great person. I'd rather be a great person than be a great preacher. Well, I think you're both. But, you know, the Thank essence you. of what you do, who you are, is that you do life with the people that you lead, that you pastor, and that you work with. You're right. doing life with them. You're not above them or below right. them. You're just doing life. And that is people. so true. <laughs> but That's that who is you so are. true. But we've only got time for a couple more questions because I want to honor your time and I know you're busy and I just want to get a couple more things out of you that I think are important to your book. Again, okay. the book is Soar by Bishop T.D. Jakes. You can get it anywhere. I just recommend you go to tdjakes.org. But before we end this podcast, I got two quick questions. One is there are a lot of people that think there's a magic formula or there's some secret to business. What do you have to say about that, Bishop? You know, uh, I think the big secret is uh, it takes a lot of hard work. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I, I laugh at people who enter into entrepreneurship because they don't want to work. Yes. And they say, I'm going to start my own business because I want to be free and go to the beach. Mm-hmm. Say, well, don't start your own business mm-hmm. because you'll never get to the beach. <laughs> That's right. There's a, there's a lot of work uh, required in entrepreneurship, and, and it requires a lot of faith. But, it, but if you are... I think, too, and this is something that is very difficult to articulate, if you are an entrepreneur, it is very gratifying. Entrepreneurship is not something that you do. It is something that you are. Yes, sir. And if you are not that, it's going to be difficult to do that. It will sure it, show up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's about being. It's not about yes. doing. It's a mindset. It's a mentality. It's an attitude. Uh, it's a disposition. And it's never difficult to to do something when you are what you are doing. Well, let's take that side just one step further, and this will be our last question so I can get you onto your ministry. Okay. We have a lot of young people that listen to this show and, and are advised by people who listen, and many of them are being called into entrepreneurship, not understanding it. Would you give a little bit of advice to someone who's feeling led by the Lord to start to do a startup, to, to do I, something I, special? Uh, start a very on a very small scale. It's it's better to make the mistakes on a small scale than yes. it is on a big scale. And there are going to be some mistakes because mistakes are a part of miracles. Oh, uh, miracles are made from mistakes. They're made from accidents and issues and problems and situations. You want to have them in a, in a smaller space. I think that's a good thing to start with. Just because you have access to capital doesn't mean that you need to maximize and start at the fullness of that leverage. I think that you ought to have strong reserves and uh, and and not be so busy doing the business that you don't get to think the business. To me, good entrepreneurship isn't about doing. Just because, just because Nelly can uh, fry chicken mm-hmm. doesn't mean she ought to open up a chicken restaurant. Amen. Because because you can hire somebody to fry chicken. You need to think the business, not just do the business. Busyness can destroy your business. Preach that, brother. Would you also tell everybody that 
don't start a business with debt. Right. But you let them know that. They'll listen to you. You know what? You know what? The, the, the exciting thing about my book, Soar, it's the subtitle is Building Your Vision from the Ground Up. Yes, sir. And, and because a lot of people know how to tell you how to do business in the air, but I'm telling you how to get off the ground. My father started a business with a mop and a bucket and ended up with 52 employees, a black man in West Virginia in the 60s. Mm. So I got to live in a house with somebody who was a builder from the ground up. I'll, every church I ever had, I built from the ground up, so I understand mm-hmm. it. I know where every brick is. I know where every block is. I know where every problem is. When you build it yourself, you can lead it because you understand where everything is and how everything works. It's not just about not being in debt. That's a very good point. But the other point is when you build it yourself, you learn how to run it yourself, and you're not yes. as dependent on other people as you would be if you started too high too fast and you have to depend on the talent pool around you to intellectualize things because you really don't have the bandwidth to manage the opportunity that you've been given that's so true good word so you had your mba and phd in business before you were 10 (laughs) <laughs> yeah, my, my, I don't know about that, but I had my hand in and Brillo, Brillo pads and, yes, and mops and buckets and stuff like uh, that. What great training. My, for... my father saw me as cheap labor, I can yes, think of that. Cheap labor. And look at look at what God did with that training. Look at you now and how you can pass yeah. that on. You just oh, God has favored you day. so much in your life. I'm so honored to know you. The name Thank of the book, you, once more, is Soar by Bishop T.D. Jakes. You know him, you love him. He's in Dallas at the Potter's House. They have a great meeting coming up in October, October 18th through 20th, Woman Thou Art Loosed. Get on tdjakes.org and check it out. One more time, Bishop, do you have any last word before we end the podcast? I'd just, just like to say to all of your listeners, no matter what you're going through right now in your life, in your business, or in your affairs, uh, do not allow the storm to distract you from your vision and your goal. You do have the power within yourself to maintain your focus and keep mm. it moving. What a great way to end the show. We've been visiting with Bishop T.D. Jakes. I love you, sir. God bless your ministry. You keep writing, keep preaching. Me. Okay, sir. This God is Steve you. Green on the Charisma Podcast Network. God bless you all. Did you know that half of America is single? The Dating Project movie is a groundbreaking documentary that follows five single people as they search for authentic relationships. There's no script. There are no actors. These are real people searching for love. The Dating Project from Paulus Productions, Family Theater Productions, and Pure Flix is now on DVD and digital. Visit thedatingprojectmovie.com for more info. That's thedatingprojectmovie.com. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.